I want us to read together the portion that we've been considering over these last many weeks. And we'll break in and we'll begin reading in... Well, let's, let's begin in verse 11 this time. Galatians 5 and verse 11. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. I would they were even cut off which trouble you. For brethren, you've been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as also I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Again, we'll end our reading. Trust the Lord to bless and prosper the public reading of His Word. I'll ask you to join together with me and let's bow our heads together. Our Heavenly Father, we are tonight grateful and we rejoice at the privilege of gathering again to sing the praises of a worthy Savior. And we ask that You will prosper us in these moments, that You'll give us help of Your Spirit, even as we've read together again these words that are becoming familiar in our frequent readings. And yet, Lord, we ask that they'll be applied, that they'll be written, upon the hearts. And so bless us tonight as we consider them again. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Over these last weeks, as we've looked at the fruit of the Spirit, I have thought something of continuing the messages and coming to a phrase that closes out the listing we read there at the end of that ninefold uh, framework of the Spirit's fruit that against such there is no law. It's a phrase I think worthy of a message in itself 
you think of these elements, these pieces of the fruit of the Spirit, well, they're in conformity to the law of God. And if you think of the context of Galatians, and it's something more of that context I want to take us to this evening, the Judaizers and those that were seeking to compel the Gentile believers to take on the Jewish ceremonial symbol of circumcision, well, they were acting contrary to the Spirit. They were actually acting contrary, really, to the law, not understanding the difference between the ceremonial and the moral law, not understanding and applying the gospel as they troubled the churches there in Galatia. In many ways, there were elements of the works of the flesh that were showing up in the lives of these that troubled the believers. As we consider then and have looked at this contrast of the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit from the perspective of these evidences of grace as we've been emphasizing, there's another element that I want to bring alongside them. And that, of course, is the cross. Paul speaks much of the cross in these closing verses. And what I want to do this evening is actually to just call four phrases from this closing portion of chapter 5 and then over into chapter 6 where we haven't read and bring them alongside each other. Because the evidence of grace, the fruit of the Spirit is going to manifest itself in glorying in the cross. All these pieces of the flesh, whether it's the worldly carnal aspect, as is so evident in that list of the works of the flesh, that is a self-centered perspective. And even the Judaizers who would have again spoken against some of these sins of the flesh, but there was something of the flesh in them as well. And it is the work, the message of the cross that's taken up by the Spirit to dispel the works of the flesh and to manifest that fruit of the Spirit of grace in the life. The four phrases that I want to pull from different portions here are these. In chapter 6, verse 13, we read the phrase, speaking of those that troubled the Galatians, that they desired to glory in their flesh. We've read in chapter 5 and verse 24 the phrase, those that have the fruit of the Spirit, those that are Christ's, have crucified the flesh. So there's some that glory in the flesh and there's some that crucify the flesh. And then two more phrases. In chapter 5 and verse 11, where we began our reading, he says, And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. There's an offense of the cross And then the fourth phrase I want to highlight this evening is in chapter 6, verse 14. And I tried to preach that text this morning. I had to look it up to quote it. It should have been more freshly on my mind. But we read there, Paul says there, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's an offense of the cross, again, for some, 
And there's a glorying in the cross for others. So look with me, if you will, at these four phrases. First, from chapter 6, verse 13, glorying in the flesh. If you look at the context of Galatians, and we didn't emphasize that a lot as we went through these listings of the fruit of the Spirit, but if you understand the Judaizers who had come to trouble the Galatian believers were coming to them not as people that wanted to overthrow Christianity. They were wanting to work and have influence under the umbrella of Christianity. They saw in the spreading of the gospel, they saw in the advance of the church, an opportunity for themselves, well, to stand as teachers, to have disciples that rallied unto them. And so they came to these Gentiles and said, this is great, you've heard the message of Jesus, but there's the operative word. You need Jesus plus what I can give you. And Paul highlights and puts the spotlight, if you will, on their motive. Read with me the whole of that verse, chapter 6, verse 13. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised, that they may glory in your flesh. The error of the Judaizers was one of pride. Pride which brings, well, ultimately division and conflict and more of the works of the flesh is not a gospel heart. And here, the Judaizers wanted to glory in the flesh of these Gentile believers in Galatia so that they themselves might be puffed up. I don't want to pursue this at length, but earlier in Galatians, there's a very similar phrase to something we find in Red in Colossians today about the rudiments of the world or in Galatians, to be brought again under the weak and beggarly elements. Now, there's a lot of scholarly discussion that goes into that phrase, and even some of the modern versions translate that phrase with regard to uh, angelic deities and so forth. There are those spirit beings of the universe and astral deities. But I don't buy into that understanding of the phrase because Paul himself in Galatians speaks about having been under them at a time. And he speaks here in Galatians about the Galatians who had never been Jews being brought back again under these elements. And so the Jews and the Judaizers had something of these elements, these rudimentary principles. Really, when you study it out, and it's been some years since I've looked at it, I think it just comes down to the, the nuts and bolts of idolatry. The nuts and bolts of self-righteousness. Whether it's a Gentile or a Jewish self-righteousness. And Paul says you've been delivered from this. You only brought back again under such bondage? Because this is a bondage. This is an evidence of the flesh that the false teachers and then ultimately filtering down to their disciples want to glory in the flesh. 
When we read and have looked at this ninefold listing of the fruit of the Spirit, where is there in that list a glorying in our flesh? There's a repudiation of the flesh. That last set of three we saw that had the focus, remember, the first three Godward, the second three more horizontal, our relationship with our neighbors. The last three, our relationship to ourselves, our understanding of ourselves. How much of that had the context of self-control, of temperance, of, of putting down self? Well, the flesh, whether it's the carnal flesh or the religious flesh, wants to glory in self. And so here's this phrase I say to, to keep in mind and to be mindful of and distant from. Glorying in the flesh. But we come to our second phrase from chapter 5 and verse 24. We read here, They that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. All through these messages on the fruit of the Spirit, I say there's been a manifest distrust of self and there's been a reliance, a dependence upon the grace of God. And so part of the work of the Spirit in our lives, and we saw this morning in that charge from Colossians, both justification, sanctification, and glorification, well, in that central piece in our pilgrim journey, the Spirit strives within us to put down the old man, to strive in the paths of the new man. And here, Paul puts it into the language, the very vocabulary of crucifixion, of crucifying the flesh. Now, think with me, because we dealt on some of these passages this morning, there are portions of Scripture that speak about us dying with Christ. If you look at Romans chapter 2, and, or Galatians, I'm sorry, chapter 2 and Romans chapter 6, which we did reference this morning, having died with Christ, that isn't what this passage is talking about. In that dying with Christ, being crucified with Christ, Paul says in the second chapter of this book, there's the union we have with Christ in His death, His burial, His resurrection, His ascension. We're seated together with Him. That's a gospel union. That's a covenant union that belongs to us. But that's not the crucifixion that's in view in this passage. Those that are Christ have crucified the flesh. This is something that we do. And that being identified with Christ and His crucifixion, that's something God has done sovereignly by bringing us into that covenantal union with Jesus. But this is an activity of the Spirit working in the lives of God's people. There's something in us, a flesh, an old man, that we are to put to death. We saw that activity in Colossians this morning. But think with me, and I was reading one very articulate wrestling with this when he just gives description somewhat of crucifixion, what it was. It was public. It was shameful. 
It wasn't a form of execution that was just used indiscriminately for all of those that were executed. It was reserved for the worst offenders. It was reserved for those cases in which others needed to be warned, don't do or be what this guy did or was. And also it was a violent death. It was a slow death, an agonizing death. But one nailed to the cross and the guards set so that they couldn't come down or others take them down. No, the death would be accomplished. Well, think of that with regard to putting our flesh to death. Dealing with our old man. This one I say I was reading used these words. It's to be pitiless. It is to be painful. When you think of the struggles with the old man, the fight against sin and the old nature. And it is to be decisive. There's no pulling the old man off the cross and saying, well, let's change our mind. You, you can live again now. And so here, here's the activity that the Gospel-centered heart is engaged in. Not glorying in the flesh, as false teachers, as worldlings, but crucifying the flesh. Those things that are self-centered, those things that glory and stir up the pride of man, well, those are to be put to death. Crucifying the flesh. And then these final phrases with regard to the cross. Paul says in chapter 5, verse 11, then is the offense of the cross ceased. Again, there's a contrast between the mindset of the flesh and of the spirit. The flesh and the worldly mindset is offended by the cross. You think about how Paul describes the message of the cross to the Corinthians. To the Greeks, it's foolishness. To the Jews, it's a stumbling block. There is an offense of the cross. Paul couches that phrase. It strikes us. He couches it in this way as something to be welcomed. That which others won't welcome, that which others won't receive, we are to welcome well, the fact that an unbeliever, particularly a self-righteous, religious unbeliever, would be offended by the message of the cross is to the cross's credit. It's a means of identifying the genuine article that the gospel is a gospel of grace. I wonder how many times you see... At Easter, we've mentioned it in prayers and conversation today. There are many worldlings and those that are religious but don't understand or believe the gospel. They consider the message of the cross. They consider the message of the empty tomb. But the things in it that are offensive, they don't get. 
They so alter the message. Oh, well, Jesus was a good example. And He died a martyr's death, maybe. But to bring the message that He suffered under wrath, that He came to purchase a people, to provide for them by grace something they couldn't provide, they couldn't earn for themselves, that starts to offend the self-righteous heart. Now, wait a minute. Is that what Jesus is all about? Is that what you're getting out of this message of the cross? Well, I'm offended by that. You're telling me that my works aren't good enough to get me to glory? You're telling me that except our righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, will by no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven? Of course, that's what the message of the cross is. The message is there's none righteous, no, not one. And here these Judaizers are offended by this. They find something in the flesh to glory in rather than to crucify the offense of the cross. But I come now to our fourth and final phrase. As we read this morning, and I was hinting at the ease with which the preacher can come to this passage for their three crucifixions in chapter 6. We read here, verse 14, God forbid, may it never be that I should glory. Save except in this. The Judaizers wanted something to glory in. They wanted to glory in the flesh of their converts so that they might glory in themselves as teachers of the law, as leaders in righteousness. Paul says, God forbid that I should glory, except save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ I think about that. I hesitate because it's not really a paradox. But the message of the cross is the message that robs us, if you will, of all glory. It robs us of anything to boast in in ourselves. But it gives us everything to boast in. In another. Everything to boast in, in Jesus. What Paul is saying by this, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, is in fact for emphasis. He's saying, I boast in the cross. I'm proud of the cross. Not proud of me. Proud of my Savior. Boasting in His work. Recognizing happily accepting my own inability, my own worthlessness, my own being one deserving of God's wrath. And He bore that in my place. Glorying in the cross. Glorying in that which robs us of any glory of our own and saves and ascribes all glory to Jesus. 
And I say, as you look at these four phrases of how the world, the self-righteous, the carnal, the fleshly think of the flesh, something to glory in, the believer looks at it as something to crucify. The cross, they look at that as something to be offended at. We look at it as something to glory in. And all these pieces of the fruit of the Spirit fit into that putting down of self-glory, putting down of selfish interests, and putting up the glory of Jesus, of rightly loving God and loving our neighbor and therefore loving ourselves. This is the fruit that the Spirit works in the lives of God's people. And it brings quite different opinions, quite different perspectives with regard to the flesh itself and with regard to the cross of Jesus. And so let us tonight ponder what it is to glory in the cross and to be freed from all forms of self-glory and flesh. Let's bow our heads together. We'll close in prayer, but it's the third Sunday and I'll just have us join together and pray and I'll just ask maybe just even now instead of me closing, Derek, would you lead us in that and then we'll pray together as the Lord leads.